Good morning. Good morning. Um, wow, what a great time of worship. Can I, can I say something that I just feel like some people in the room need to hear? Not part of my message this morning. God's not mad at you. I think sometimes that when we, when we picture God in our head and we think of God, we think he's upset with us. Or maybe you think you've done more than he could ever forgive. And I would just tell you, that's not God. That's not God speaking. God is not mad at you. God actually enjoys you. Can you just hear that? The God of the universe, no matter what you do or where you've been or what you've walked through, enjoys you. I was away from my family this week for four days. It was up in uh, Vail, Colorado. I told you last week, I got to spend four or five days, right? Some of you are like, oh, that's rough. That's really tough. <laughs> There's no Starbucks up there, so if that helps you. This is a really serious moment. <laughs> oh, goodness. So anyway, I, I literally, I missed uh, my family. Missed being with them, loved what I was, had the opportunity to do, and so it was just a blast to get to be home last night with them. I, I want you to know, you may not know this, but every one of my kids is not perfect, okay? They actually do some really stupid things, like really stupid, and then they do some really awesome things, but you know what? My enjoyment level of them is the same in all of that. I just enjoy them. And I love them. And you know what? There are times I'm sad when they do things that, that I know ultimately will hurt them. And I'm sad. And my heart is broken and heavy for them. But I keep enjoying them. And do you know what I want more than anything as a dad is I want my kids to enjoy me. And not in an egotistical way, but just in a relational way that they, that they would enjoy, that they would understand that I enjoy them and they can enjoy me. And can I tell you that that's, that's God, that's the picture of God, yeah. that he's not mad at you. There's sometimes he's sad and his heart is broken because of how we choose to live and the decisions we choose to make, but he enjoys you and he longs for you to enjoy him. And when we come into this place and we sing songs and we act crazy and abandon and say, God, we're going to physically put ourselves in a posture where we, are, where we want our hearts to be. We're just enjoying God back in a place where God fully enjoys us. And so I just, I felt you needed to hear that today. Is that right? Yeah. God enjoys you. Uh, that, may, that may come in here in just a little bit. Let me also say this, that I love to get gifts. Is there, any, is there anybody... <laughs> I'm not saying that, like, I don't have a birthday coming up or anything. By the way, Carlos, who brought the dresser out earlier, or the chest of drawers, uh, Carlos, it's his birthday today. So, isn't that awesome? <laughs> serving, serving on his birthday. I'm like, if it was my birthday on Sunday, there'd be a guest speaker and I'd be out of here. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but I love to get gifts. Is there anybody here that doesn't enjoy getting gifts? Well, there are probably some. You're just not good receivers. So we can work on that. Um, and so I love to, to get gifts. But the Bible says in Acts, that it's actually more blessed to give than receive. And so I, I was pondering that, and, and I, I want us to get this piece before we get to the end of the message this morning. I was pondering that, and I'm like, why in the world could it be more valuable to give than receive? And, and, and here's my thinking, okay, because it's true. 
there is something that happens in you or the giving is a result of something happening in you that is more powerful than the receiving. The receiving is an act of holding your hands out and taking it into yourself. That's the receiving. The giving takes way more. There's a process. You have to decide that you want to give. And you make a decision to give, and then you have to decide how or what you want to give and why you want to give it. And so there's so much more that comes with the giving than the receiving. And so I'm sitting there processing, why is it more blessed to give than receive, understanding that receiving isn't fully receiving until you've given it away. That there's something about taking something in, but then in return giving it. And the giving is powerful. How many of you love to give? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out the piece of paper. There's, there's one right in your thing. There's a pen there, message notes. And I'm going to go right to the end of the message. Actually, I'm going to go all the way to the last page. And I'm going to ask you to write these seven things down because I'm going to probably not get to the end. And I want you to have them before I get there. This is typical. Okay, so I'm learning. I'm learning just who I am and how I function. And so I just want to give you these. What, what, what are, these are seven, seven things that I want you to write down of how you can be a blessing to other people. How you can be, what you could give to other people, everybody in the room, no matter who you are, what age you are, you can give these things. And so I want you to write them down and then we'll build up to them and you'll go, okay, this is, this is a practical way that I can apply what we're talking about. The first one is that we would love unconditionally. We have been given unconditional love. We have un- unconditional love modeled for us through Jesus and so we can actually love unconditionally. How many of you love when people love you unconditionally? That's a great, that's a great blessing. To be loved unconditionally. The second one I want you to write is that we can give generously. Not just give, but give generously. Here's the, here's the law. The law of reciprocity isn't that you reap what you sow. It's that you reap more than you sow. And so we give generously, not because we want to get back, because there's joy in the giving. And there's something that is happening on the inside. It's why we're giving. The second one is others first. That, that I would love to live a life, or what would a life look like that was lived with others first, others in mind before myself? How many do fairly well at that, and how many wish that you w- were better? Let's just go better, right? The fourth one is the golden rule. Just write the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The best way that you could possibly be a blessing is to have in mind always that I want to do to others as I would have them do to me. Here's, here's the fifth one. Pray for them. And them is anybody and everybody, your spouse, your kids, your neighbors, whether you like or you don't like, your people at your work, the people you come in contact with, whoever, pray for them. That is one of the greatest gifts you could give somebody is your prayers. The, second, the sixth one is forgive, your forgiveness. Sometimes that's hard. But a lot of times the inability to give that impacts us more than it impacts them. But how many of you have been given forgiveness? One from God, but from others. Isn't it awesome when people just go, hey, I forgive you. You're like, oh, sweet, because I need that, because I mess up. Do you guys, do you mess up? No? Yes? We all do. Last one, let God use you. Realize that you can be used by God, that God wants to use your life, no matter who you are, how old you are. That's the end. Wasn't that good? Let's go do that. All right, go back to first page. This is, that was for me. <laughs> We're in this series, Always Jesus. 
And how do we, how do we grow hope in our homes? Like if I want to grow hope in my home, how do I do that? What does that look like? And so we've di- diving into the series, Always Jesus. And, and here's, what, here's what we're processing, and I want you to get this. The answer to the world's deepest issues and brokenness and identity crisis, the answer to the world's deepest, darkest issues and problems is always Jesus. The answer to your family's best future is Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what you probably already know, but I don't know that we always live what we know or think we know or believe the answer to your emptiness, even in success, have you ever been successful and still felt a void? The answer to your emptiness, even in consumption, like I've got all this stuff, but there's something missing. The answer is Jesus. Always Jesus. The answer to all the deep wants and longings that you personally crave, good or bad, the answer to those things, what you're seeking in it is Jesus. It's always Jesus. The answer that will cause you to embrace death instead of fear it. Long for heaven instead of earth is always Jesus. And he alone has the power and authority to hold the world in his hands. You remember the song growing up? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me brother, you and me sister, you and me mother, you and me father in his hands. He alone, and, and I'm just, we've already talked about this, but I'm just scattering this out here really quick, just some seeds to sow. He alone has the power and authority to hold the world in his hands. He actually does. Not you. Whew. Everybody sigh relief that it's not you, not your spouse, not your kids. Not your successes, not your blank, 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 but Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. And more hope is more Jesus. And more Jesus is more hope. And when you choose that answer, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, everything about you is in Christ. Now, we've been talking about this, the dresser, that God doesn't want to be just a drawer in your life, okay? I know this is a chest, but I'm just going to call it a dresser. Is that okay? Can we just make that distinction? You're going to rebel. And I think think before Jesus comes along, if if you give me just maybe a, a, a way to illustrate this best, and I've been processing this because I think sometimes we think, well, you know, I can, I can keep life. I'm going to end up breaking this thing. I, I can keep things in order and healthy without Jesus. And I'll be honest with you. I think that that looks a lot like this. The priorities of our life tend to shift, and so it kind of we have to go. Okay, well, right now it just needs to be needs to be this, or I need I need to get something out of this drawer. And and this is what it, this is what it's like outside of Jesus. And we think that this is okay, but you can't call this a dresser, really. This is a stack of drawers. You good with that? And, and Jesus shows up, and he goes, man, I've got a plan for all that. I've got a desire for you. 
And, and so he, he looks at this and he says, man, if you follow me, then your family, let's see how long this takes me to do this. Your family can be in Christ, in Jesus, and he can organize it and structure it and help you with it. Are you understanding? And your job, that thing you do that we often find too much value in, can be in Christ. And there's so much that he can do in the midst of that. He has a... And your, your freedom as an individual, to get this right, there it is, can be in Christ. Not in anybody, not in anything, in Christ. And so if your job is in Christ and you lose it, you have hope still. If things are going rough in your family but it's in Christ, there's hope. If things are going difficult in your own life, you have Jesus, you're in Christ, there's hope. You've got the God of the universe on your side. And when it comes to your eternal life and the way in which you love and care for others, when you are in Christ, you just care differently. Because you're not doing it in your, let me bring this back up here. You're not doing this in your strength, but it's in Christ. And I think this is the life that we long for and want. But we often live this way. And it feels unorganized, and it feels chaotic, and it feels unsafe, and there's fear. And so we live in anxiety and worry. Jesus, first, is not about priority. It's about authority. Who or what ultimately has my allegiance? And so I want to give you this quote. I, I heard this this weekend as I was away in Colorado and just having some time with a bunch of guys talking about Jesus. And here's what the guy who was just talking to us and sharing with us said. And I want you to hear this. The architect of your heart, which is God, has created your heart. Hear this. So that only perfect communion and union with the architect will do. The architect of your heart God has created your heart so that only perfect union and communion with the architect will do. You can try a bunch of other things. You can try satisfaction through a bunch of other people. You will never, ever have what you'll have in God because he made us and he created us. So why is this important? Because you will never have the communion and union you need and crave unless it's in God. Do you believe God has something better for your family than the world? And I want you to understand, the family is important. We want and we need healthy families. It's incredibly important for us to do that. And here's why, because the earthly representation of the family, the family is the earthly representation of the body of Christ. And so it's important, husbands, that we love our wives as Christ loved the church. And it's important, ladies, that we trust in partnership with our husbands and kids that we obey our parents because all of that is showing each other Jesus. It's putting ourself aside and loving for Jesus. So here's the deal. If you do believe that God has something better for your family, it will change how you see your family and how you think about family and how you act as a family. You will live as if your family has a calling, not your family is your calling. 
And that doesn't take anything away from family. And why is that important? And I want you to get this because for us to understand this piece today, we have to hear this. When your calling is your family, it can be real easy for it to become an idol. When your calling is your family, and by the way, if you're one today, you're single and you're yet to be married, you're a family. You have a family. And it may be dysfunctional or it may be healthy, but you can be part of bringing health. Or you can allow what God has given you to start fresh. But every one of us have opportunity for family. Whether that's extended, whether that's the family of God, or whether that's the nuclear family. But when your calling is your family, it can be real easy for it to become an idol. And that draws you away from God's plan because it draws you to yours. Just processing a little bit with you. So first, your calling is to be the best visual of Jesus to each other. Let me just help us get this. Your calling as a family is to be the best visual of Jesus to each other. That's why Paul says and doesn't apologize. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Trusting. Children, obey your parents. Dad, don't provoke your kids. Don't discourage them. Build them up. Why? Because as you do that, you will be the type of family, the model of who Jesus is, to be able to live in this world and show this world Jesus. That's why it's important. That's why marriages are important. That's why families are important. That's why we do want them to be healthy. Here's another perspective change, because we talked about that last week. That was just a catch-up. When we hear, my family has a calling, okay, we've said that. Your family has, if you're a follower of Jesus, your family has a calling. And when we hear that, here's what we hear. God wants something from me. Here we go again. Just more doing. I got to go do something now. Now I'm not just me. Now my family. How much more do you want God? And that's how we hear it. And I have to tell you, that's religion talking. That is what that is. What if when we hear my family has a calling, we hear this, God has something for your family? What if we hear God has something for your family, he doesn't just want something from your family? It's like a gift. How many of you like to receive? God has something for your family. As followers of Jesus, God has something for your family. And when I hear that, I go, I want that over everything else. And what is that thing that God has for my family? As followers of Jesus, your family becomes a divine means to a divine end. I'm going to say this again. As a follower of Jesus, if you put your heart and trust and hope in Jesus, your family has a divine means to a divine end. You are a means to an end. How encouraging is that? You came all the way this morning to hear that. This isn't an insult to your family. Andy Stanley put it this way. Being a means to an end is what gives things meaning and purpose. Let me say it to you this way. If you refuse to become a means to an end, your life will never have meaning because it's the meaning of meaning. Live for yourself, and you will only have yourself to show for yourself. 
live for your family and you only have your family to show for your family. Just keep putting things in there, different things in the blank. Become a means to an end and your life takes on what? Meaning. Let's take this a little bit deeper. Funerals remind us constantly. How many of you have been to a funeral? Funerals remind us constantly that the value of life is always measured by how much of it was given away. The value of life is always measured by how much of it is given away. Now, I know the tension that's existing in our hearts right now. You tell me I'm a means to an end? Because we see that in the negative light versus what that could actually mean when God says it and when God looks at it. How much of our family life is given away? Ancient Israel was a means to an end. He created Israel. God created Israel. He raised up Israel for actually a global purpose. It wasn't just for Israel. He didn't do what he did just for Israel. He did it for a global purpose. And Israel failed to understand its global purpose. That was the problem with Israel. We sit there going, gosh, Israel, what a bunch of crazy people. They failed to understand their global purpose. But how often, and I'm guilty too, do we fail to understand our family's global purpose? Community purpose. Neighborhood purpose. And God announces this plan for a nation before there's a nation. And God promises 99-year-old Abraham a son who would become a nation that would bless the world. And so Abraham's calling is a family calling. And I want to look with you in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. I want you to stand with me this morning. And this is Abraham's calling, Abram at the time, before his name was changed. And I want you to hear what God is saying and what he is promising and Abraham's response. Verse 1 of chapter 12. The Lord had said in, to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Here's the promise. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. I think God's on his side. Listen to this. Hear this. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? God speaks and Abraham leaves. And as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him, Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. God, I pray that you would just take this conversation this morning that we're having, and it is for our good. I believe that. And I pray that you would allow it to penetrate our hearts and that we would ask a lot of questions and that we would ask you those questions and you would search our hearts and you would make us more like Jesus. 
empowered by your Holy Spirit for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the deal. Let me, let, me, um, let me unpack this just for a little bit. Not only is God raising up Israel for a global purpose, okay? Not only is he doing that, and keep that in perspective here, all right? Everything that you read about, about Israel in the Old Testament, keep that in perspective. God is raising them up for a global purpose. And as you read, look for Jesus, what God is doing with Jesus, how God is preparing the way for Jesus through his word. But a couple things you need to understand about this calling, this promise, it couldn't have made a ton of sense to Abraham. Many love when God asks you to do things that don't make a ton of sense, especially in the culture you live in. So let me help you a little bit. Abraham had no descendants and he was 75. So he's sitting there going, he doesn't have Isaac until he's 99. So he's sitting there going, God, you're going to make my descendants great. That's awesome. And you're going to make me a blessing so that I can be a blessing. Awesome, I'm in. And he goes because God said to. This is absolutely incredible. God was promising to bless the world through Abraham's, Abraham's, Abraham's descendants. What faith at 75 years old. And here's another one. People in that time didn't bless each other. Nations especially didn't bless each other. They destroyed each other. They enslaved each other. They conquered each other. So this is a foreign concept. They looked after themselves. That's what nations did. But all the people of the world will be blessed through you, God says. And this promise, this calling, and Abram's obedience to it started a chain of events that would unfold over the next 2,000 years. In such a way that all the people of the world would be blessed by the birth of this baby in Bethlehem. This one act of obedience starts this chain of events. We are sitting here today a result of his blessing. And we have been blessed as a result. And let me just tell you, as followers of Jesus, it doesn't stop here. It can't stop here. We can't go back to the old way of making it about us we get to now be a blessing because we've been blessed. See, callings don't always make sense, but obedience doesn't require you have to understand. Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct you. And it doesn't have to make sense. God may be calling you as a family to do something that doesn't make sense, but you do it. And I promise you, the overflow of obedience is always blessings of others. Always. And so Abram gives birth to Isaac. And Isaac, well, he actually didn't. Sarah did. Yep, in case you were listening. Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob, Joseph. And we know the story of Joseph where Joseph is sold into slavery and he's in Egypt and God promotes him and he brings his family to Egypt. And between 215 to 430 years, depending upon what the scholars ask, they remained slaves in Egypt. And in that time, God made Israel a nation. Now, sometimes we look at our difficulties and our pains that we're walking through, but in their lowest moment, do you know what God was doing? He was making them a nation. Don't rush your prison sentence. 
because God might be making you into a nation. Moses leads the people out of Egypt, and God gives them the Ten Commandments and affirms the covenant, and they build a tabernacle, a tent of meeting, the temporary place where God would dwell. And they get to the promised land, God says it's yours, and they send 12 spies in, and two come back with a good report saying we're going to take it, and 10 come back with a bad report, and the people moan and groan and complain, and so they say they don't want to do it, and so God sends them into the desert for 40 years and kills off a generation that wouldn't obey that wouldn't step out in faith. Unwilling to trust, unwilling to worship. And then the promised land is theirs and they cross the Jordan River and they defeat Jericho. And they take the promised land. But all the other nations have a king, God. Why don't we get a king? You've got a God. Have you seen theirs? And yet they want a king, and so God gives them a king, a descendant of Abraham, David. David is anointed king when Saul fails miserably. God raises up a king out of the descendants of Abraham. And David has Solomon, and Solomon builds the temple for God. See, the Jewish temple wasn't much different than pagan temples. A temple was a temple. You could compare temples. It wasn't a whole lot different. This one was probably a little bit better because they wanted the temple for their God to be the best. And I want you to get this. I'm going somewhere, I promise. And what made it different was something it had, wasn't something it had, but something it lacked that all the other temples had. I'm going to say that again. What made the Jewish temple different wasn't something it had, but something it lacked that all the other temples of other nations, pagan nations, had an image. They had to actually wheel into the temple and prop up. Not the Jewish temple, though. The temple Solomon built, unlike the temples the pagan built, was built to draw attention to what wasn't there. See, God chose to reside in the temple on his term because God never wanted a temple to begin with. And so he said, here's the deal, Solomon. I'll do it. I'll choose to reside there, but you got to promise not to have any other gods before me. you got to promise not to let any other god be worshipped but me. And so Solomon says, deal. Promise made. Solomon, David's son, descendant of Abraham, becomes king during Israel's golden age. David had done a great job as king and handed it to his son, and for the first time it looked like Israel could actually become a blessing to other nations. Remember, that was the promise, to be a blessing to other nations. And maybe this was the moment, but that wasn't to be. Why? Because he had made a promise to God not to allow the worship of any gods, and he broke the promise. Matter of fact, he took 700 wives and every wife had a God. And so he built a shrine to all her gods. And they began to worship them. He wasn't just worshiping them to the exclusion of the God of his father, David. He was worshiping them along with the God of his father, David. Do we worship things along with Jesus? And under Solomon, Israel was in no position to bless the nations of the earth. Why? And here's what I want you to get as families. Because by the end of Solomon's reign, Israel looked a lot like all the other nations of the earth who worshipped a lot of other gods. 
And how do you bless other nations when you look so much like them? How do you bless other nations when you look so much like them? How are we a blessing to other families when we look so much like them? And yet, do you believe that God has a better plan for your family than the world? As a follower of Jesus, your family becomes a divine means to a divine end. That's different than the mentality of our world that says, I am blessed because I deserve to be blessed. Look at how blessed I am. I am blessed because I did the hard work to be blessed. I am blessed because yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. No, I am blessed as a follower of Jesus to be a blessing. That's why we're blessed. To be a blessing. As a follower of Jesus, we're descendants of Abraham. And like Abraham, we're called to obey. And we live in blessing because he obeyed and he was faithful. And ultimately, God is faithful. And when we obey, it impacts not just us, but our family. And our ability, the ability of our family to impact others. And I want you to get this. Zero in, because I'm almost done. Hard to believe. And that calling may or may not make sense, but we do it anyway. The calling to be a blessing. And when we do it, we do it different because we believe that God has a better plan for our family than this world does. And God had a better plan for Israel, but Israel looked too much like all the other nations to be a blessing. They didn't realize that they were called to global impact. They simply thought it was just for them. And God has a huge plan for your family. And I don't know your family's dynamics, but I know if there's brokenness, Jesus can heal it. I know if you're a horrible husband, Jesus can help you. I know if you feel like you never measure up as a wife, Jesus can fill that void and bring the value you're looking for. I know if you feel unloved as a kid, Jesus can love you. And I know if you feel like a failure as a parent, Jesus can love that too. He can speak into that too. God has a huge plan for your family, but it doesn't look like the rest of the world. Our country, our churches, and our families have been blessed in order to be a blessing to the world. So are we using those resources to bless the world? The gifts that we've been given were not intended merely to provide us comfort and security but instead used to better serve those in need. Paul told the Christians in Corinth, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Not to us, but to God. 2 Corinthians 9, 11. God doesn't need us to expand his kingdom, <laughs> but he has blessed us with the extreme privilege of sharing Jesus with the world. He's invited us. And our goal in everything we do is to glorify God. We are to bless the world and expand the reach of the gospel. God did not give us good health and resources so that we could spoil ourselves. As a family, use all God has given you to expand his kingdom and share his word. Serving the needy around the world or in your neighborhood is the calling of every follower of Jesus and every Jesus-following family. It's what James calls pure religion, to take care of the poor and the orphan and the widow. 
And sometimes there's people who aren't just poor physically, but they're poor in spirit. And they could use a family that loves Jesus more than themselves to step into their lives and bring eternity. God has richly blessed our families. Let me speak for myself. God has richly blessed my family. And Augustine told us that we can enjoy God's blessing, but we must share them in God's name. Here's what he said. Find out how much God has given you, and from it, take what you need. The remainder is needed for others. Listen, this isn't a, ser- this isn't a sermon about giving. I'm not going to take an offering at the end of this. I- I'll be honest. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't, I don't care if you in this moment don't even apply this to giving us anything. But if we would in this moment begin to think, what could God do with what God's given me in my neighborhood, in my life, in my family, in my world? What could God do? Because I kind of see that happening in every little area God has placed you. Every area God has placed you. And I just see us coming back and celebrate all that God is doing through you as a family. God's grace and mercy poured out on us should create families devoted to blessing the world in God's name. And when you give dignity and mercy and love and justice and charity and respect to others, you are letting them see Jesus in your words and actions. You're growing hope. We must not lose sight of why God has blessed us so richly. Paul reminds us, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God? 2 Corinthians 1.4. God has something for your family. He doesn't just want something from your family. Ultimately, a family that blesses is a family on a mission greater than themselves. You know what that might look like? More faces around your dinner table than just yours. It may look like you showing up in your community, your neighborhood. I keep wanting to put a sign in our front yard. My wife tells me it's a dumb idea. Big old sign. If you're going through something and need to talk, we're here. (laughs) Why not, right? Maybe it's weird. It actually looks like the church, no matter where we are, because the family is a representation of the body of Christ. Living as a family on mission isn't about trying to be and do all things for all all people. We wouldn't ever ask you to do that. I don't think God would ask you to do that. But it is about just living as a family in this world while walking closely with Jesus and inviting others to join in following him. And what that might look like and what if the best way to grow hope in your, home, your own family is by being a blessing to others? What if the best way to grow hope in your own family is by being a blessing to others? Tell you a quick story, and then we'll close. I was reading one of my favorite authors, Donald Miller. I don't know if any of you have ever read Donald Miller. I was at a conference, and Donald was talking. He said, a buddy of mine called me recently, and he said, Donald, you need to be praying for me. Things are really bad at home. Uh, my wife is, is, is leaving. She's going to leave. My daughter is dating a loser. And it's just falling apart. And I just want you to pray. And Donald said, in that moment, I don't know what it was, but God just prompted on my heart to tell him, you're just not telling a really good story. Your story's lame. You need to tell a better story. 
He's like, what do you mean? They talked. He said his friend prayed and God led him to an orphanage in another country that was going to close. He gathered his family together and he said, listen, I, I know that things are tough and I know things are bad and I, I know I'm a huge part of that. But there's this orphanage and I just wondered if as a family we could help save it. I'm not saying this is the solution for every marital problem, family problem. It's not. It gives you a picture. Well, his daughter got on social media and raised thousands. His wife got involved. They engaged. They dreamt as a family. They were able to go and they were able to raise enough not only to keep the orphanage going, but to see it grow. His daughter becomes a hero overnight. Heroes don't date losers, so she dumped the boy. That's how he tells the story. (laughs) Just tell a better story. Israel had a great story to unfold. But so do we. We've been called to global impact as families. Are we going to tell the same story the world's telling that is actually finding out doesn't lead to happiness? isn't fulfilling and in the end fades away like everything else isn't it just like Jesus that the best way to grow hope at home is to give hope away out of the blessing of others comes hope you can't obey God with your obedient without your obedience spilling out in a blessing to all those around you. God's ultimate blessing to the world through Abraham was Jesus. It's always Jesus. It's the result of your blessing, the reason for your blessing is Jesus. And in the end, as promised, all the people of the world will be blessed. And we represent all the people of the world. We're blessed today because Abraham obeyed and was a blessing. We're blessed today because God has given us so much. And he's entrusted us with it as families. So what do we do with it? God has something for your family. An opportunity to be a divine means to a divine end you could actually grow hope. Not just in your home, but in this world. God has meaning for your family, and it's different. It's different than what the world offers. But it's better. So what do we do? We love unconditionally. We give generously. Put others first. We do unto others as we would have them do unto us. We pray for them as much as we can possibly pray for them. We forgive and we let God use us. And in doing all that, you'll be a blessing. And so I want you all to stand with me this morning. And here's what I'd like to ask. You may be the only one in your family here. You may be the one representing your family. But before God and God is watching. That's a song, I think, by Bette Midler. God is watching us. God is watching us. 
from a distance. God is watching it. He's actually not. He's right here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this question. With God watching, how many of us in this room would say, I want to embrace fully what God has for my family? That would be your prayer. That would be your heart. Then I want to pray for you that God will empower you with his spirit to be the family he's called you to be that looks different than this world because he's called your family to global impact. And it starts with each other, extends to your neighborhood, your community, to your world. And as a church, we'll get to tell the stories of Jesus. God, I thank you for every person that raised a hand. And Lord, we often fail at this. I often fail at this as a, as a dad, as a husband, as a follower of you. Because I'm, I'm doing a lot of deep soul searching. I don't want this to come from willpower, forcing it. I want it to come because it's in me. Because you're inside of me. And if you're in me, then you'll come out. And I want you to come out in that way that I just want what you want for my family. And so, God, those hands that went up, I pray you would reveal what that is. It'll be different for every family. In some ways, it'll be the same because we're the church. In other ways, it'll be different because we're different. And I pray that you would speak that truth clearly and you would give us the strength to obey. That we wouldn't just hear, be hearers, but we would be doers as well. And that, God, you would give us these dreams that in our minds don't make sense, but who cares? You gave a 99-year-old man a son. And you can do anything. And if it's yours, it'll be accomplished. And may it be accomplished through us. And so, Holy Spirit, lead us into what you're doing through our families and give us the strength to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me say this. If you're here this morning, and man, it is, family life is hard, and it is tough, and we could pray for you. We believe prayer works. And so there'll be some people standing up here that would love to pray with you. We don't have the answers, but we can pray because God does. So would you please, if that's you, feel free to come and let us pray with you. But the rest of us, let's go. Let's go be the families that God has called us to be. Let's be the church in our world. And watch what God will do. We love you. Have a great week.